and welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us wondering, get us imagining, get us maybe laughing, get us serious, get us not serious, um, but making a connection and perhaps seeing the world in a new way with a wider perspective because maybe we had an aha or two or just are seeing connections in a new way. And it's the first Saturday of the month. So on the first Saturday, we always celebrate the Eastside Freedom Library. And I have my co-host here, Peter Ratcliffe, who is also the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori, and good morning to everyone out there. You have quite a month coming up. We sure do. Uh, we're going to be previewing both February and March. Well, let's just Mostly stick February. to February. Okay, sure. we'll be pre previewing sure. a lot of good things happening in this lovely month right. of February. Right. And we've got a couple of guests that are going to be joining us for the second and third segments yep. that are fabulous mm -hmm. and that I'm excited about hearing their story of um, puppetry. And we'll learn more about that puppetry when we get to that second yes. and third segment. Yeah. But uh, tell me, what are some cool things happening? Well, you know... Uh, we certainly do a lot of work around books and books and authors, and we have some really exciting author events coming up in February. Um, my former student, dear friend, and now Eastside Freedom Library board member, uh, Yuichi Onishi, who teaches in African and African American Studies and Asian American Studies at the University of Minnesota, uh, will be bringing us his book, Trans-Pacific Anti-Racism, mm. uh, on Thursday, the 6th of February. And this is a book that looks at the complex relationships between Japanese people, you each grew up in Japan, between Japanese people and African Americans. Uh, one of the most exciting chapters in the book is a study of the impact of African American soldiers um, and black coffee houses in Okinawa during the Vietnam War. Wow. And how the ideas of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, were transmitted from African Americans to Okinawans who launched their own struggle for national liberation and independence. I, I think of coffee houses and I think of, you know, how our own country began with discussions was, of liberty right. in, in the French co coffee houses and, and in early America. Right. So to, to see those stories crossing a boundary, the boundary <sighs> between African Americans and Japanese and, and Okinawans in particular and the impact that that had. Um, a couple days later, on Saturday the 8th, a week from today, um, another good friend uh, and academic, uh, Richa Nagar, uh, who teaches in gender and feminist studies at the University of Minnesota, and has written a really stunning book called Hungry Translations that probe the relationship between researchers and communities. Um, Richa is going to be bringing her book on Saturday afternoon, the 8th at 2, uh, to the Eastside Freedom Library. And then because of Richa's work, later in the month, on Friday night, the 21st, an Adivasi poet, that is the Adivasi are one of the tribal or indigenous communities in Asia, in India in particular, uh, named Jacinta Calcutta, is going to bring her poetry to the library. And we're trying to organize interactions with indigenous poets um, from the Dakota mm -hmm. and uh, Central American communities here in the Twin Cities so that poetry and indigeneity, again, across the boundaries of specific experiences can come together um, at the library. A multicultural poetry slam? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love and, it. And, and then... Um, uh, we're going to hear a story that I was even unaware of. Uh, a historian named Rick Bell, who teaches at the University of Maryland, has just published a book called Stolen. 
and it is a case study, a particular story of what he is calling the reverse underground railroad. And that is, it's a story of five African-American young men who were kidnapped in Philadelphia in 1825 and sold into slavery. Mm. And Bell has used this particular case to explore not the stories that we're beginning to know more about, like through the film Harriet, about Harriet Tubman, about the Underground Railroad, but a story more like that film 12 Years a Slave that we saw a few years ago mm -hmm. um, about African Americans who had achieved and experienced freedom. Owned homes. All kinds yeah. of things. And then found themselves kidnapped and sold back. Uh, into slavery. So that's going to be on uh, Monday evening, the 24th of February. So that's quite a range of we're going to go to Okinawa <laughs> and look at African-American GIs. We're going to go to India and look at the efforts of anthropologists and sociologists to interact not terribly well uh, with indigenous people. We're going to hear from an indigenous South Asian poet herself, and we're going to go back in history in the United States um, to look at the complexities of enslavement uh, and the experiences of, of African Americans. Now, I also noticed that tomorrow you've got something going with Book Geek happy hours yeah so our we we want to not only do we want to encourage uh, reading but those of us who are active at the library um, are trying to create more quiet space for ourselves to do some reading and so on the first sunday afternoon of every month from 4 to 6 p.m we invite people to come in be greeted by Orso the library dog. Um, <laughs> He's a great and, dog. And read whatever they're reading. And people tell us afterwards that their lives are so busy, are so disrupted by devices like smartphones, um, that they have very little peace and quiet where they can actually settle in. And I think the energy that gets generated by having 12 or 15 people sitting in rocking chairs all around the library, reading whatever book interests them at the moment, having a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, ah. um, and then sharing with each other what they're reading and why they're reading it. So, so it's kind of different than in, instead of having, here's the book we're all reading, right. we're all kind of going to come in and share what book we're up to in, and why it inspires right. us and, and just I, share with each and other. And I think it leads people to jot down yeah. what somebody else is reading and make that the next book on the night table. The other thing that I see that's coming up that I, I think is really important is if folks um, need help with a federal agency, that you're there to help make some connections. Well, what we're actually doing is making space available to Congresswoman Betty McCollum's staff. Mm -hmm. um, and they're trying to get out more into the community and, and help people navigate uh, federal bureaucracies. And um, so they're coming on board uh, to spend several hours. What's the date on that, Lori? I'm going to just go yeah. back to that. This is, it's coming it's up fairly soon. It's not my note. Yeah. I've got here February 4th. So February it's coming 4th. up um, right. on Tuesday right. from 10 a.m. to noon. noon. Right. Um, and again, just for folks that may not know where the Eastside Freedom Library is, it's, it is in, on Greenbrier right there in the east side. And it's the old... Uh, the old Arlington Hills yeah. Public Library, yeah. a historic Carnegie Library building. So I also want to mention that we're, we're very excited that our friends at the Lower Phelan Creek Project mm -hmm. approached us about hosting uh, a Lakota elder storyteller wow. named Joseph Marshall III, who is now living in Albuquerque and coming to visit. And he's going to be at the library on uh, Thursday evening, the 27th of February, presenting some of his work. He's already published five books uh, of what they call winter storytelling mm -hmm. um, and he's going to conduct a workshop on how we can all become better storytellers ourselves so that's Thursday night the 27th uh, with Lakota storyteller Joseph Marshall III so quite a range of, of activities but at their heart telling stories and crossing borders and um, by understanding another person's story it sometimes gives depth 
to our own story or broadens our story to include new perspectives. Oh, and that's what Reach's book, Hungry Translations, is really about. That if these anthropologists and sociologists would spend a little more time unpacking their own issues and their own stories, Mm -hmm. they might learn more from the knowledge that's being produced by the indigenous people that they set out to study. And I love having the library be a place for the community in which um, you have the most multicultural uh, area in the whole state of Minnesota. Uh, but it also invites us who are not living there to be part of that community. Well, we, we think the most exciting conversations at the library are precisely those where people have come from different experiences and backgrounds. So some people from the university or McAllister, some people from right around the corner in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. some people from Minneapolis who have dared to cross the Mississippi River. <laughs> Well, that is a big uh, and divide. Get, get their passport, get their passport stamped, uh, and and the most fruitful conversations are those where we have a delightful mix of people on the scene itself that are interested in the story and learning more about that story and are open and are open yes. to and open to all where it leads us, whether that's good feelings, bad feelings, confused feelings. Um, but there hasn't been a time that I've gone to the Eastside Freedom Library that I haven't had at least one. Aha. That's right. And that's yeah. very powerful. If you're looking yes. for some ahas, think about going to the Eastside Freedom Library. And to get more information, you can go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Um, and as I promised, we're going to have a great next couple of segments. We're, we're going to learn about the marriage of classical puppets, uh, classical music and puppets. And the music that's going to be coming in is music you got to listen um, deeply to. Deeply. Deeply, yeah. and uh, consider being part of that magic of creating uh, puppetry that'll take place even a little later in the spring. So I'm yeah. going to tease you with that. Yeah. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Stop in at Next Chapter Booksellers to find the perfect Valentine's Day gift for your significant other. They have a wide variety of books and lots of opportunities to meet local authors, like Chris McCormick on Wednesday, February 5th at 7 p.m. His new book, Gimmicks, follows two cousins from Soviet Armenia to Southern California and into the contrasting worlds of militant extremism and professional wrestling. That's Next Chapter Booksellers for the book lover in your life on Valentine's Day. Located on Grand and Snelling in St. Paul and at nextchapterbooksellers.com. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com 
The dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. Good morning, and welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and it's the first Saturday of the month, so of course it's East Side Freedom Library Day. And I have my wonderful co-host, Peter Rackman, who is not only my co-host, but he's the executive director of the East Side Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. Glad to be here. I love this music. Yeah. So you've got guests that are going to talk a little bit about the magic of this music. Right. You know, there's so many different kinds of things that go on at the library. Um, And increasingly, artists are coming to us with their ideas for work that they would like to do. And we were absolutely thrilled when Sherry Aronson and Chris Griffith from Z Puppets Rosenschnaz came to us, along with our good friend, Paul from the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra and the Bakken Trio to bring us a piece that combines puppetry, classical mu- live classical music, and a really rich interaction with the audience. And so Sherry and Chris are here with us this morning to talk about this project and what they're going to be doing at the library on Saturday the 15th at 2 in the afternoon. Chris Griffith and Cherry Aronson, you are with Z Puppets Rosenschnauz. Beautifully done. Thank yes. you. Thank <laughs> you. I had asked earlier, now is this German or Russian? And they looked at me like it's made up. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, but I'm now given permission after I've said it once to refer to you, your uh, group as Z Puppets. Yes. yes. We answer to that. Very good. <laughs> we, we combine puppets and, and physical comedy and um, live music to uh, tackle all kinds of different uh, topics and issues. Um, we often look for the the sublime and the ridiculous. Even better. Yeah, our mission is to lead people into the power of playfulness. I love that. I am a very playful person, so (laughs) I I love the idea of having a mission statement that has playful in it. Uh, Now, Peter, let us off with, you all approached Peter about this, and that it's a combination between the Bakken Trio and yourselves, and the music that we were playing earlier from Monkey Mountains is part of the linchpin of all of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, so um, the Bakken Trio is, if, for those who don't know, is an amazing uh, group of musicians, classical musicians, who are, I would say, one of the highest caliber of uh, classical musicians that we have in the Twin Cities. Um, and they approached us because they dis- they have uh, come across and begun playing a piece of music called From the Monkey Mountains by a Czech composer named Pavel Haas. And uh, as they were playing this music, it's not, uh, it's, it's very different from like what people may think of when they think of classical music. It's not Beethoven, it's not Bach, it's something that's a little more challenging if you're not... Um, Uh, well-versed in classical music and to them to the musicians as they played it it evoked uh, imagery and they they wanted to see some of this imagery played out and they thought of puppets so they approached us and asked us to collaborate with them on a a very unique performance Um, they wrote a grant with the Minnesota State Arts Board and received that and we are now in a partnership with them where we're creating a big production that we're going to do at the Eastside Freedom Library in May. And leading up to that production, we have a series of events that we're asking people to come and and help get their ideas of what the music uh, evokes in their minds also. These are what we call listening parties. And Sherry, you had mentioned to me earlier about how you've worked in past collaborations and developed stories and integrated music into this, but this is the first time that you've used music that already exists, right? 
Uh, yeah, well, I would have to think real hard if that's 100% true. <laughs> or mostly. But, but, but playfully, but, we'll, we'll assume. <laughs> but, um, but usually what we do is bring, we collaborate with the musician, but we're the ones that are creating the story and um, using the power of music to bring out uh, the story, the feelings, and the meanings that we're trying to express. And this uh, this project with the Bach and Trio challenges us to find the story and the feelings expressed by the music. Mm. So, so what it evokes in the audience? Yeah, exactly. And these listening parties that we're doing in a series at the Eastside Freedom Library are a chance to bring people into the music and give them the opportunity to hear what they hear in whatever way it comes to them to express what it means to them or what feelings it brings out for them. So at this party, we'll be able to listen to the music and then tell you what we think or what we feel or what images yes, or yeah. words. People or... will have the chance to tell us visually. So uh -huh. we're going to ask people, we're going to hand out colored pencils and paper and we're going to ask people to listen while these classical musicians sit in front of you and play this incredible piece of music um, to take the pencils and to draw. And that can, take the, that can take many forms. It could take just kind of a stream of consciousness drawing where you're just playing with color or shapes or lines, or you could draw something specific. And we had some amazing drawings come out of our first listening party at the Eastside Freedom Library. Uh, and that was with the first movement of From the Monkey Mountains. There's four movements to that piece of music. The first was landscape. And people listened to the music. They had uh, watched us perform the story of the life and death of Pavel Haas through puppetry. And then they showed us what did they hear in the landscape? What did they make of uh, what they were hearing at, um, in what Pavel Haas was expressing through these uh, the music of the Bach and Trio. Peter, how did it make you feel? I know that stories are really important to the East Side Freedom Library, but also having access to all kinds of art is mm -hmm. important. How well, did you I feel think about that it? We, we really feel that um, art is a great vehicle for people to share stories uh, with each other. And sometimes that's very direct by actually sitting and telling a story. Sometimes it's quite abstract, like dance um, and all kinds of art forms uh, in, in between. And I'm curious, I want to ask these guys about how did, so you can't see them and uh, here in the studio, you out there in, in radio land, and let me say that I'm disappointed there are no puppets. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, there are. I see them. The, <laughs> Um, you just have to look uh, very uh, carefully. But but I'm sitting here looking at two people with gray hair, <laughs> and and so I I, I would like silver. them to tell us silver. Yes, <laughs> tell us a bit about why puppets. Well, uh, for me, puppets are are metaphors. Um, you know, you could you can have an actor stand on stage and pretend to be something, but a puppet is a metaphor that stands in for something else. And that's what fascinates me most about puppets. And they can evoke, like you could have a puppet that is a puppet of sadness, for instance, mm. or a puppet of um, anger, or a puppet that represents bigger ideas than just a dog or a person. Mm -hmm. It's like a um, a cartoon that is mobile. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and 3D. Yeah, and 3D yeah. that yeah. expresses an idea in such a way that it captures, captures your imagination. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. it often... Uh, provides or, or catalyzes a return to innocence for mm -hmm. the for the audience mm -hmm. and we find that that state of innocence is the a really powerful state of community building and of um, freeing yourself from the expectations especially of being an adult mm -hmm. and when you yeah. go back to that 
place of innocence, it's also more magic is possible. Yeah, you, it allows you then to mm-hmm. enter almost a dream state of of possibility. Yeah. yeah, I think when you're in that innocent frame of mind, your playfulness comes out, and I really do think playfulness and trust are the building blocks of community. Mm, and building interesting community. concept. You know, the the type of puppetry that we're doing during these listening parties is called toy theater, <laughs> and we chose that because it. It, it was popular at the time of uh, Pavel Haas's um, era, mm. yeah, especially when he was first born. Well, in our next segment, I want to do a deeper dive about um, Pavel Haas. Mm-hmm. Um, his story, especially in context of knowing that this is going to become a puppet show, yes. um, is very powerful. And and by being able to allow us to go enter into this magical world, it's also a world where you can face pretty tough concepts. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, exactly. And I think that has a particular power yep. and something that also the Eastside Freedom Library mm-hmm. um welcomes and supports and develops so stay with us and learn more about uh, Z Puppet uh, performances at the Eastside Freedom Library and a work in progress that you can be a part of so we'll be right back stay with us this is Chad owner of AM950 I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Victor's 1959 Cafe in South Minneapolis is a locally owned and operated restaurant offering traditional Cuban food. Open for breakfast and lunch daily with dinner Tuesday through Saturday. For night shift workers, Victor's even has both a morning and evening happy hour. And Victor's now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try some delicious authentic Cuban cuisine like ropa vieja and seafood paella. Make your reservation and learn more at victors1959cafe.com. Victor's 1959 Cafe, revolutionary Cuban cooking. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Hi, this is Evelyn. Dad, I will not say this next line. I will friend you on all your social media sites. Fine. My dad, Matt McNeil, is hotter than Billie Eilish right now. I'm the bad guy! No argument here. My dad loves a great value. That's why he loves the Rudy Luther Toyota Luther Advantage card. It saves our family money all year long. You'll get three years of 10 cents off per gallon of gas at Holiday Station stores and $5 off the works car washes with the Luther Advantage card. Get one at Rudy Luther Toyota 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilly at tomorrow, mostly cloudy, high near 31. Tomorrow night, snow likely after 9 o'clock, low around 27. And Tuesday, cloudy temperature around 23. 
Victor's 1959 Cafe is the EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week, open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, offering traditional Cuban recipes in a relaxed, casual, and festive Cuban environment. Located at 3756 Grand Avenue in South Minneapolis, details at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. Yeah, the music's a little different this time. Isn't it interesting? Um, this is from Monkey Mountain, uh, written by Pavel Haas. And if you were with us before, you would heard a little bit about uh, a puppet show that we'll be exploring this piece and how it's going to be going up and being developed and all sorts of cool things at the Eastside Freedom Library. And this is the first Saturday of the month, so it's the Eastside Freedom Library Day. And I have my co-host, Peter, Peter, uh, who uh, not only is the executive director, uh, he's also our co-host. And we want to do a special shout out to Brunson's Pub. And it's a place where history and passion are part of every detail, starting with their menu that's inspired by the neighborhood. And they are our sponsor. So we'd love to encourage you to go to Brunson's Pub, and that's on Payne Avenue. You can grab a discounted gift card when you mention AM 950. Um, or if you wanted to say that you're a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. And you can learn more about Brunson's Pub at brunsonpub.com. So, Peter, tell me yes. about this great project that you're working with these wonderful people. And if you wouldn't mind. I'll let you do the reintroductions of these folks. Yes, right. So we have uh, Chris Griffith and Sherry Aronson from Z Puppets Rosenschnaz, uh, who are doing, developing a piece uh, from the Monkey Mountains uh, that combines the classical music of Pavel Haas and puppetry uh, to tell the story of Pavel Haas's beautiful but tragic life, um, and uh, engaging the diverse audiences of the Eastside Freedom Library in a process over multiple listening parties that will lead ultimately in May uh, to a full production of, of their work with live music from the Bakken Trio. And as I understand it, the, the actual feedback is getting incorporated into the art. Well, they'll have to explain. Oh, okay. <laughs> they'll have to explain that to us. Um, but it, I, I want to just tell a very quick story that in the last week I've had the joy of working with a high school kid who is doing a History Day project um, on fascism, mm-hmm. and um, and he had come back to the library after I had sent him to. Uh, to read literature from the 1930s, uh, including uh, Sinclair Lewis's It Can't Happen Here. And, um, and he was doing most of his research on the Internet, visiting alt-right uh, websites, and is very concerned about the rise of fascism in the world, and is discovering through his History Day research that history can provide a valuable historical context. And I think what's so great, if I may, about the Eastside Freedom Library is that we're both about the ways that people can use art and culture to tell stories and engage difficult issues and even have conversations about issues that might make them uncomfortable, but they don't run away from them. And that we provide a setting for people to bring a historical context to the issues that face us today. So one of the reasons I was excited about Sherry and, and Chris's work, um, not only that, yes, I love puppetry, um, and that Chris is a graduate of McAllister College, and so I feel a bond with him, um, but, but also because they're digging into a difficult topic um, in the life of, of Pavel Haas. And so I'd like to spend a little bit of time asking them to tell us about Pavel Haas's story and, and how they see themselves telling it through classical, his own classical music composition and puppetry. Yeah, well, to start out with, um, for this project, so that we could understand the music better, we wanted to know the story of his life and his death. And so we did research and we turned the research into this toy theater puppet show that we perform at every listening party. It's about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. This puppet show. And 
Uh, it is a fascinating life because it's a real story of contrasts. Um, he's, uh, he was born in 1899. And his family was fairly well off. They had a shoemaking company um, in this town that was a hub of culture in Czechoslovakia. And it was such a hub of culture that there was a, a hedonist movement that he was part of, of really art for art's sake, the pleasure of art, reveling in the pleasures. And... Uh, from the Monkey Mountains, the monk refers to this vacation area in the in the countryside, where um, and the pleasures of vacationing. Um, do you want to talk about his uh, musical training? Uh, sure. So he, um, uh, at a very early age, discovered his love for music, and uh, by the time he was uh, an adolescent, he was. Uh, already composing music and studying at the conservatory um, in Czechoslovakia. And he studied with one of the the um, master composers of the time. Um, Leos Janacek. Leos Janacek. Uh, so he was a student of his. And uh, pretty early on, like in his 20s, became uh, kind of a star of of the local music scene. He was composing music for uh, movies and he was composing music for symphonies. He was composing music for radio and uh, uh, choirs and just a whole bunch of different uh, uh, outlets for his music was all over the place. Yeah, and uh, he was 20, 26 at the age of composing from the Monkey Mountains. And it's really at the very beginning of his career taking off and winning all the prestigious awards and, um, and accolades. And then the Nazis came in uh, to Czechoslovakia, to Brno, where he was, and they started imposing curfews on the Jews. Uh, they started um, banning Jews from performance halls, banning the music of all Jewish composers. And, uh, he was Jewish, and his wife, he yes. married a, a woman who was not Jewish, and mm -hmm. they had a daughter. So at this point, he they, they couldn't find work at all. Um, he had written letters to everyone they knew in the U.S. Uh, begging for s safe passage and couldn't couldn't make anything happen. And so th uh, he actually divorced his wife to see if that could uh, save, save the, w the wife and daughter. And he was arrested in 1941 and taken to uh, Theresienstadt, which was the the camp that was set up to look like a retreat center. Hitler said that this was his gift for the Jews. They shipped in um, lots of artists. Um, they had a lot of um, uh, a lot of seniors there also. So it was made to look like this was uh, humane. This was a PR front for the Nazis. You can imagine. Uh what that does to you as a as a somebody who's creative as Pavel Haas, he kind of shut down completely. There was a a younger musician in the at Interagenstadt also with him, and the story that we heard was every day this younger musician would would go around and find scraps of paper anywhere he could. It was hard to find paper, but he would find paper and every morning he would bring it to Pavel Haas and draw a music staff on it and put it in front of him. Mm -hmm. and hope that he would ins be inspired to come back to, to music, but he wouldn't. He was too stricken uh, with the loss of his wife and daughter and, and the surroundings of the, the Theresienstadt. And then, but, but what the, a wonderful, when you say this piece of paper, it reminds me of the piece of paper that you're gathering from each of the folks that mm -hmm. are listening. Yeah. And yeah. That, that becomes... Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the picture back mm -hmm. to inspire you to create the next level. Yeah, and it does transport his music into uh, a century way past the life of Hitler. So the music lives on, although Pavel Haas was eventually um, killed in Auschwitz, which mm. is this where most of those the people at Theresienstadt and oh, um, they were shipped to to death camps. I should say, though, that uh, 
he did uh, he did eventually come out of his uh, depression when he realized that he could make a difference, and he did start composing again in Theresienstadt, and he did some of his uh, in some in some some people might say it was some of his most um, uh, uh, the work that that really went pushed him farthest out. He he composed his first. Uh, piece in Hebrew, a choral work. A choral work in Hebrew, and he also composed a piece that was inspired by Chinese poetry. And both yeah. of those were directly in response to the Nazis' bans, because um, the Nazis uh, banned banned all work um, connected to Judaism. So a, a choral work in Hebrew, and then also uh, because they're in opposition to China, uh, a work um, inspired by Chinese. Chinese poetry um, is in direct counter to the Nazis. So our task uh, is is to take all of this heavy information yes. and put it into a puppet show, right? Which, and, and, hello? <laughs> which <laughs> many people have that response. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, puppet shows don't have to always be for children, and puppet shows aren't always humorous, although we do like to use humor uh, as a way to get at tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we had to consolidate all this information and present it in a way that people can digest it. And then in this listening parties, we're sitting with a quartet of musicians who are amazing musicians. And when you're sitting in a place like the East Side Freedom Library, it's not a huge concert hall, mm-hmm. right? You're sitting on the same level as the musicians. Um, intentionally, they're not dressed in their fancy musician black clothes that they wear in concert halls they're dressed as in their street clothes so there's a more accessibility exactly you're not being an us and then there's not a curtain between there's a right more of a sense of community and there's something that that many people may not be aware of that when you're when you hear musicians of this caliber playing uh it it affects you physically Mm -hmm. it it uh, you feel something in your spine your your skin starts to tingle it's it's uh, it's a very amazing reaction that you get when you are listening um that close and we were talking earlier how classical music can be for some considered elitist you know it's for concert halls it's for folks who have money it's for folks who can afford to embrace the classical music and you're creating a space for community and neighborhood to have that bone uh, and and uh, internal reaction of being right next to that musician that that vibrates within you exactly. and and to have that image and and I have to believe that those images that you're collecting are very powerful they are because uh, what happens is that after we tell the story of Pavel Haas's life and death the Bakken trio will play the movement from that from from the monkey mountains and people um are invited to draw what they hear and um, then we talk about it afterwards so some some of the discoveries uh, for us come out of what people say and then what we see on the paper and we'll take all of that and put it into the final production which will be at Eastside Freedom Library on May 31st so again um, two weeks from today Saturday uh, February 15th at 2 in the afternoon. You don't have to have come to the first listening party to come to the second, but you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be more because there are four movements to the piece. Mm-hmm. And then there will be, think how exciting it will be to see the results. And particularly if you have played a role in one of the listening sessions or more in listening, drawing something and providing your input. So this is a great collectively created product. A co-creation. Co-creation, yeah. Uh, and for folks who want to learn more about it, they can go to the Eastside Freedom Library. Right. Dot org. Dot org. Um, and, and look at our website calendar. Um, look at our Facebook page for Facebook events. Um, and you can also visit the website for Z Puppets. Yeah, zpuppets.org. Yep. You don't have to be able to spell Rosenschnapp. No. Oh. <laughs> Z Puppets. Half the time we can't either. Uh, <laughs> and what I'm going to do is we're going to play the music uh, from Monkey Mountain. And I want to encourage the listening audience to think about what images come to your mind. Grab your pencils. And draw. Uh, consider what is 
what kind of impact is this making? And bring those ideas to the listening party. You can come with a little bit of homework already done. Um, and also you can look this music up on YouTube and, and listen to the whole piece. It's, it's very moving, very stirring. So stay with us and we'll learn more about what's coming up in February and a little bit of March too. Mm -hmm. We'll be previewing um, at the Eastside Freedom Library. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for our next segment, which will be coming up soon. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Hello, humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Monday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m. This week's featured idealist is Ingrid Newkirk, who co-founded the animal rights organization PETA. In the big interview, I'll talk to someone about Beltrami County's decision to not accept refugees. Finally, in my C-Block, I share about speaking at churches and put out a pitch for you to help me do more of that. That's me, a catalyst for learning and change. Ellie 2.0 Radio, engaging in real on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The British are coming! The British are coming! <laughs> the British are coming! Hey, you there! I'm Paul Revere! The British are coming! Where is everyone? Ben Franklin dispatched an evacuation warning on Facebook. Didn't you get it? Hi, I'm Chad Hobart with Social Media MN. If your marketing is behind the times, contact us today online at socialmediamn.com or at 763-244-4058. We can help your business message get dispatched and selected on social media and Google search. We offer uncomplicated, results-driven, and affordable internet marketing solutions for businesses of all sizes. Socialmediamn.com or 763-244-4058. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style, or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic, or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. We're in the Eastside Freedom Lib Library, in our minds at least, and in our thoughts and in our excitement. Uh, if you hadn't listened to the, the beginning of the show, I encourage you to go back uh, and check us out on the podcast and listen to the first part of the show, the first segment. We reviewed things that are coming up at the Eastside Freedom Library in February. The second two segments, we had just a wonderful journey exploring uh, the ideas of puppetry and bringing some pretty um, emotional ideas to life in terms of looking back at the Holocaust. One normally would not think about doing puppetry to share the story of the Holocaust, but how powerful that can be in being able to use puppets as metaphors and to be able to open our minds and um, listen with a heart that is willing to share the images in both words and pictures that come to us. Uh, and and that the next date for the Puppet Z, what is that date again? Saturday the 15th, two okay. weeks from today. Two weeks from the day. And 
I'm going to do my best to be there. Great. Because I think Great. I just love the idea of listening to the music and then having it inspire us uh, to give back what images came to us. And it's another great interactive um, participatory adventure that the Eastside Freedom Library is offering. There are some other things that you want to make sure that our right. audience knows I, about. Right. And I think that, you know, what we learned from Chris and Sherry in this last discussion about the puppetry and the story of Pavel Haas is that often... Specific stories allow us to draw wider connections with our own experiences. And we're beginning our third project later this month on Saturday the 22nd uh, with Japanese-American photographer John Matsunaga. And John has been using his photography to explore the experiences of Japanese immigrants and Japanese Americans who were interned in incarceration camps uh, during World War II. And John has now produced a book of family photographs that tells the story visually of the impact on his grandparents and his parents and the continuing impact on John and his peers of having been taken away from their homes and put in concentration camps here in the United States during World War II. And John, as he has done before, wants to use his specific work as a way to generate conversations that cross borders. And so he's asked us to organize conversations that look at the contemporary issue of family separation. What can we learn from what Japanese Americans experienced during World War II that might impact the way we look at what's happening to Central Americans trying to cross our southern border? What's happening to Iranians who are being denied the right to come back into the United States? What's happening to Muslims from different countries who experience boundaries and barriers in their efforts to come to the United States? How are Hmong and Karen families that have been in, in refugee camps in Thailand, how is family separation, ironically, something that unites the experiences of people from different communities? And how, when they share those stories, can they begin to build solidarity with each other? So that's a project that we're beginning with John Matsunaga on February 22nd, which is also... Uh, what the Japanese-American community marks as the Day of Remembrance. The February 19th is the anniversary of FDR's order uh, that, that allowed the arrest and confinement of Japanese-Americans. Looking to the future, um, we're also getting ready to co-host the fifth annual Union Job and Resource Fair, um, which has become so popular and successful that we've actually had to move it from the Eastside Freedom Library uh, to the Electricians Union Hall, Local 110, on Conway Street, fortunately still on the east side. And so we're now expecting 150 or more job seekers looking at how to get started in a unionized job with the better pay and benefits and a voice at work that that would provide for them, whether it's in construction or in healthcare. Uh, or in the hospitality industry, many ways that unionized jobs are available uh, to new immigrants, to newcomers, um, to women who are who are willing to move into non-traditional. Yeah jobs. There's a lot that can be accomplished. Well, what I love about the Eastside Freedom Library is that you look at history, you look at art, and you look at what's the potential. And potential also is how do we get some good jobs? And how do we create solidarity and unity and opportunity? So thank you for all that you do with the Eastside Freedom thank Library. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it, Lori. And April 2nd, put it on your calendars if you're looking for a job. It looks like a great one at the Union Job and Resource Fair. And more information on that is on Eastside Freedom Library. Absolutely.